Good morning, everyone. Our sanctuary, um, I'm sure you've noticed, is a little different. We have a, a fountain and statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary and some beautiful flowers and a, a relic. <clears throat> so uh, the reason is because yesterday is actually our parish's feast day. So yesterday was the feast of Our Lady of Lords. So you totally missed it, you sinners. <laughs> um, Next year, we're really going to try and, I think, have a big celebration as a parish for our feast day. But after Mass, if you want, um, here on the right-hand side of the altar, we have a relic of St. Bernadette. That's what that kind of golden thing is. Um, and inside there, there's a, there's a little piece of the bone of St. Bernadette. Catholics are weird. We'll talk about that in our CIA at some point relics. But it really is a beautiful thing. So after Mass, if you'd like to venerate that relic of St. Bernadette, uh, it's a great gift to our parish that we have that. Rich Mullins, who um, you've probably heard me mention before, Rich Mullins was a, a Christian musician. Um, but much more than that in my life, he was kind of just one of those people that, I never knew him personally, but he was someone who was kind of an embodiment of Christianity. And he actually died when he was in RCIA. He was in a car wreck uh, on his way to becoming Catholic. Rich Mullins has this wonderful line that I think sums up what I really want to talk about with you today. Rich says that, he said, I was a, just in the present tense, he says, I am a Christian, not because someone explained the nuts and bolts of Christianity to me, but because there were people who were willing to become nuts and bolts. Hear that again. I am a Christian not because someone explained the nuts and bolts of Christianity to me, but because there were people who were willing to become nuts and bolts. Christianity is incarnational. (laughs) That's what it is. It's an... an, um, it comes from the Latin word for flesh, carnus in Latin is flesh. And our faith, brothers and sisters, is incarnational. It's not an idea somewhere out there. It's something that inheres in people, and of course, most fully in God himself. And we need that. <laughs> That's a really good thing. If you understand this, You'll also understand why we have things like holy water and incense and music, and why we get on our knees at Mass while I'm saying the Eucharistic prayer forever, right? Because we have bodies, we're incarnate, we're enfleshed, and we need that. It's easy if we just hear people say things about how we should live one way or another. It's another thing when we see it. I'm reminded uh, about three years ago, I think now, there was a young man who became Catholic in my RCIA class in um, North Glen. And he was super sharp, brilliant guy. Um, and we had a lot of very deep intellectual kind of conversations. But he knew all that stuff before he became Catholic. He... Uh, 
he was the Hebrew National Student of the Year. For, there's an award that goes out for that, and he won that. And he, just a really brilliant guy. But my point is, what made him Catholic was not any of that. You know what made him Catholic? Is he met my group of friends. And it went from an idea to something alive. Where he could see Catholicism in a group of people. Not just as a bunch of ideas. This is at the heart of everything we believe. So important, so necessary for us as human beings to have these incarnate things. I'm going to forget my other example. <laughs> hate it when that happens. That's why I have to carry this every once in a while. So when I was in Spain, well, actually, let's jump to one other one. The, um, the biggest example of this, of course, brothers and sisters, is Jesus of incarnation. Right? Imagine today we heard in our readings all these rules, right? We're in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus gives us a whole bunch of different ways that we're supposed to live. But guess what? God did not just give us rules. The Bible is not a book of rules. It's not what it is. And even if it was, God didn't just send us a book. He sent us a son. And isn't that awesome? So oftentimes people will say to me, Father Brian, I just want to know what God wants me to do. But Christianity is not a rule book. God is not going to hand you 50 do's and don'ts. I mean, he gave you 10. But, <laughs> yeah. But he gave you his son, something that you could see and you could imitate, you could follow. Christianity is incarnational. And that's what the world needs. The world, so our proposal to the world, the daring proposal that we have that I hope challenges you week in and week out, day in and day out, is a radical thing. To live as a Christian is a radical thing. And people don't just need to hear about it. They need to see it. When I was thinking about priesthood, it was, it was so interesting. It was kind of like this. It's like this lofty idea. Like, and when, ladies, you don't probably get this as much, but when, a, when you're a male, if you ever go to daily mass and you're below the age of 50, People either, Father Glenn used to say women would grab their handbags if they saw a guy at mass. Um, or they'll say, oh my gosh, it's a guy and he has a pulse. <laughs> you must want to be a priest, right? <laughs> and all kinds of people would tell me, you know, Brian, you should be a priest. You should do this. It would be great for you to be a priest. And it's kind of this ephemeral idea out there. And I was like, well, what does that mean? What does it look like? And then I encountered St. John Paul II and Archbishop Charles Chaput. And priesthood wasn't just, you know, something that had great benefits and job security. It was a person. And Archbishop Chaput embodied that. And I know many of you know him. And for so many of us, I, I think till the day I die, 
my image of priesthood will be Archbishop Charles. That's who we are as human beings. And so Jesus today in the, in the gospel is calling us to that. Yes, he tells us, he gives us commandments. He gives us rules. But brothers and sisters, you are supposed to be a living, walking Catholicism. Much better than the catechism is you. That's what people need. So why are we talking about all this? You're going to laugh at me. This is so ridiculous. The whole reason we're talking about this is because of our building project. Because I wanted to manipulate the homily to get to this, right? <laughs> we're almost at the end of our building project and of our push for the building project. Next weekend, we're going to do a commitment weekend. And what, we, what I wanted to do before we do that was this weekend, this Sunday, I just want to make one final appeal to you for why this matters. Why this isn't just kind of a nice kind of sprucing up of the church, but why this matters. We've had about 40% of the parish sign up and say, I'm on board. I'll be a part of this. Uh, we've raised over $2.7 million in pledges, which is awesome. And brothers and sisters, if the rest of you, we know, I know that some of you are in really tight financial situations. I get it. Can you do something? Right? If we get everybody on board, we'll hit our $4 million goal, no problem. We have 60% of our parish yet to sign up for it. And so that's what today's about. And I really mean it. I'm not... I'm not a joke about being manipulative, but I really mean this. I prayed a lot about this this week. Why does this matter that our church is beautiful? It's because Christianity has to be incarnate. Otherwise, it, it dissolves into ideas and moralism. Balthazar, you've heard me say it before, Balthazar says, when the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. When the truth is beautiful, we desire to be good. Our culture needs this so desperately. Everything in our culture points away from God. When I was in Spain, the first time I went, uh, in north, I think of it more in kind of north-central Spain, there are all these little towns you hit on the Camino, and they're, they're so magnificent. That's what we should do for RCIA. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just left for like six months and we just did the Camino? You guys might be upset. You can come. Um, but you walk, and there's all these little towns. And in these towns, they were built in a Catholic age. And what I want to appeal to you to is we here at Lourdes are a part of trying to make that happen again. In a small way. And it's happening, by the way, we had our board meeting for the Companions of Christ yesterday, and one of our board members lives in California, in Los Angeles. He teaches at a seminary there, and he said, he said, Father Brian, I'm hearing amazing things about Our Lady of Lourdes, all the way in California. And I said, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but he really did say that. There are great things happening, but we're just getting started. We're just beginning. I think you and I want to dream big. This is a, a place, it doesn't have to have amazing results that are measurable, but a place where Catholicism is in the air. 
So when I was in Spain, you walk into these towns, and the towns are circles, and they're concentric circles. They'd be a traffic nightmare, but they were built before there were cars. But there are these concentric circles, and everybody lives in a house that's older than our country. And they're just, there's something romantic and beautiful. And the town was built intentionally. And so you, as you walk through the town, you come to the center. And at the center of the town, guess what there is? A beautiful church with a square. And if you grew up in one of those towns, your parents might tell you that Jesus was the center. Your family might make you go to Mass on Sundays. But the very town you lived in told you that Jesus was the center. Catholics did things intentionally. The culture became a place where everything pointed to Jesus. Buildings matter. They tell us things. There are certain churches, by the way, churches are meant to be theology in stone. Just like you are called to be theology in flesh, churches are called to be theology in stone. And there are certain churches, brothers and sisters, the seminary chapels this way. There are certain places you go. A lot of churches today, people think all that matters is the homily. And if that's all that matters, we can build strip mall churches. But there are certain places you go and you walk into a church And everything around you tells you to get on your knees and love God. We have bodies. We have eyes and ears and nostrils. And those are good things. This is why beauty matters. The church should cry out to us. It should tell us, There is such a thing as sanctity. There is such a thing as the sacred. There is a God. And culture needs to reflect that if it's ever going to be real. That's why I think we should do this. That's why I'm sold out on this project, brothers and sisters. If we just tell the women and men of our time that God is real, that can do great things. But I don't think it'll fully get us there. We need to experience it. The way I experienced Archbishop Shapu as a physical embodiment of what it meant to be a priest. Churches should do that. So real quick, I just want to give you one last plug. What are we going to do with this church project, this renovation? Well, the first thing we all know, we have about a million and a half dollars in mechanical, electrical, fire fixes. Right? Mike, our second reader, can tell you he knows this building better than anybody. And I always laugh because everybody tells me our boiler is like done. And then every time I come to church, I'm like, it is so hot in here. Right? <laughs> it's like when you go to the doctor and you're like, something's wrong, but then it's perfect when you go to see the doctor, I swear. Um, we have a million and a half dollars. We're going to fix the HVAC in the summer, so we have, we have good air conditioning. Uh, I see it all the time. I don't know if you notice our tiles that have water damage up there. I told somebody one week that at one of the masses, we're going to intentionally have one of them fall for dramatic effect. Um, I know, I'm ridiculous. 
there are just things we have to do with that. We're going to beautify our sanctuary, which quite frankly, this is the part I'm the most excited about. Right, men and women need a space that just, just radiates God's beauty. And so we're going to put a, we're going to curve the sanctuary. There's going to be a marble slab against the back of the sanctuary. And our beautiful crucifix, which I love so much, will set that against the marble and it'll be backlit. It'll be stunning. We'll have new flooring, we'll have a new altar, new tabernacle, a new ambo for the word of God to be uh, proclaimed from. And then light. I love at this mass when, when the incense is going and the light comes through the stained glass. There's just something just magical there. But what we're going to do is we're going to pop the center section of the ceiling and we'll put a clear row of windows on either side down the middle. And it'll make our church much brighter. It'll be beautiful. Finally, the other thing we're going to do is uh, the narthex. We haven't spent much time on this. The narthex is like the gathering space out towards Logan Street out the back. We'll add about 50 seats because we like the size of our church. We like the intimacy. Uh, so we're not adding too many new seats. But what it does, it functions as many different purposes. But the one I want to highlight this morning is we have, I'm sure you've noticed, we have so many children in Lawrence. Isn't it awesome? I love it. I think at this Mass, my parents told me they don't usually come to this Mass because it's too long and it's like nap time. Um, but uh, at the 8.30, this or 8.45 this morning, I swear there's like 100 kids like running around. It's crazy. Uh, and isn't it a wonderful gift, by the way, I tell my, my couples I have marriage prep with, people today aren't getting married and they're not having kids. They're cohabitating and having dogs, right? And we all know that's true. Thank you to those of you who have children. It's a sacrifice, it's hard and it's beautiful and it blesses all of us. And I love that your children are at Mass, that's where they belong. But we need a place for when they go nuts, right? <laughs> We need a place for that. You just seen A45 this morning. There are like 30 moms congregated in the back corner. And they're like, yeah, Narthex sounds great. <laughs> yeah. But we'll do that. And the Narthex will have, will have flat screens up that will broadcast the mass as it's happening. And so mothers and fathers feel like they're still a part of the mass. And the, the homily and the Eucharistic prayer will be over the speakers. It'll be beautiful. Let me leave you with this. The most important... Or let me rephrase that. You can tell what matters to a culture by where they put their time and their money. You can just tell. And there's, there's an author I like who says, the most important places in America today are malls. That's where we put our time and our money. Now it's moving towards the internet, I guess. But those are the nicest things. You and I come from a church that built Western civilization. And it, be it built beautiful churches because it taught people for 2,000 years that what really matters in life is Christ. And it didn't just say that in sermons or in books. It said it in the way cities were built 
how churches were built, and in the incarnate reality of a civilization. That's why this matters. So I beg you, brothers and sisters, next weekend is going to be our commitment weekend. Pray about this, think about this. If you've signed up, thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you. If you haven't signed up, I know it's hard. I know it requires sacrifice. It does for me too. It's worth it. And so Jesus, we ask you, Lord, we thank you first for your incarnation, that you didn't just give us a book or a bunch of rules, but Lord, you became flesh. And Jesus, give us the courage to bring the gospel and to make it concrete in our own time.